0: Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians
1: here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals.
0: We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice,
1: strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and
0: most importantly, enjoy the process. There's so much variance among all these different heart rate monitors and Fitbit trackers and Apple Watch fitness monitors. It's insane. Like my friends and I will go to our F45 group workouts and don't get me wrong, those workouts are flipping hard. Like you're Mm -hmm. sweating, you're working the whole 45 minutes and then they'll look at their Fitbit and that Fitbit will say, oh, you burned 320 calories in the last 45 minutes And then they'll look at the heart rate monitor that the gym supplies, and that gym will say, you burned 567 calories. And I'm like, there's no fucking way that you burned that many calories either way. And that's a huge margin of difference.
1: So it's the same person wearing two different trackers. Both are monitoring heart rate, and they're giving it, they're getting a 200 and some calorie variance.
0: Yeah. And it already seems like an overestimation to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when we have clients come in and they do a lot of these workouts or they're really obsessed with what their tracker is telling them, what their cardio equipment's telling them, and they measure how or what they can eat based on their perceived calorie output Mm -hmm. from exercise, it can get them into some trouble.
1: Yeah, a lot of times I've seen people who are tracking using like a MyFitnessPal or something like that and when you're, when you go into those trackers, it'll ask you how active you are. Mm -hmm. It'll say, are you sedentary? Are you active like five to six times per week? Whatever. And you fill that out And then it will give you like a perceived amount of calories that you're burning in a day. And then if you add your exercise on top of that into the tracker, it's almost like it's counting those calories twice. So, people have this baseline of what they're burning in a day. Plus, they add on their workout where they were told that they burned 500 some calories. So, they're adding that back in. And they come to me and they're like, I've been doing this for three months and I'm not seeing any results. And it's because they're adding those calories back in twice.
0: Yeah, I just tell people to turn that... Function off. Yes. Like if you want to see the rate at which you're burning calories, if you want to assume that's accurate, maybe it's very motivating for you to burn 500 calories a day and that's what gets you moving and active, fine. But you can't group that in with what you're eating on MyFitnessPal or any kind of tracker or if you're watching how much you're eating because you're probably overestimating how much you're burning, and then overeating and either staying the same or possibly gaining weight. That and you don't want to.
1: underestimating the amount of calories yes. that you're eating. Because yeah. as I learned, for, s- for some reason, I had no idea that manufacturers are given a 20% leeway on the amount of calories that they put on their nutrition facts label. So... Dun, dun, dun. it could be 20% higher in calories like which way do you think they're really going they're not going to put 20% more on the ice cream right they're always going to be putting 20% less to make them look good and then if your tracker is 25% or more off from the calories that you're burning That's a 50% difference in your day.
0: (laughs) Not to mention just the studies they've done on people and their accuracy with tracking. They've done studies that show people grossly underestimate how much they're eating when Mm -hmm. they're tracking their calories. So not only are you potentially overeating because of how a food's labeled, it's labeled as less calories than it is, and then you're being a little bit, I guess you could say laissez-faire about your tracking. You're just kind of... in the first thing that you see on that app or not really being that mindful, and then putting in that you burn more calories from exercise than you really did, you can see how that would leave somebody really frustrated.
1: Yeah, this, honestly, this conversation makes me want to just throw my hands up in the air because <laughs> I just like, calories, ugh, <laughs> like, this whole counting process just leaves me feeling so exhausted. I haven't done calorie counting with a client for a really long time. Really?
0: Yeah. I've done some i have some clients who really find that data tracking just makes them feel more at ease Mm -hmm. there's some people who will do it for two to four weeks and then they're good they have a good baseline of oh this is like how much i am actually eating actually being quotes based on (laughs) what we've just talked about and it helps them really see the Um, I guess the impact certain things that they're eating actually make. They didn't realize how much they were eating, under eating or Mm overeating. But I don't have many people who use it as a long-term tool and I don't really promote that anyway. I think that's a lot of work to use and a bit of a crutch. Yeah. But I have some people who use it as a tool.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people... What I've seen, at least like post-pandemic, is that people don't want to be on their phones as much Mm -mm. because everything is kind of turned more virtual. People are sick of looking at screens. So, at the end of the day, they really don't want to cook something and then take 20 minutes to put it all in my Fitness Pal mm. to count the calories or the protein or the whatever it is anyways. And I think I always tell people like, hey, back in like the 60s and 70s, we didn't know how many calories were in anything and we were fine. So like you don't have to count every single thing in order to be a healthy person. We don't even need that tool. You just have to learn how to listen to your body.
0: I want to agree. And I agree for 75% of people. I think the argument of, oh, back in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have to worry about it is very true. And then I think about the environment in which we live in now, and it's totally different. I just think access to food is way more available and people are faced with a lot more temptation. They don't actually realize that, oh, that random, you know, croissant that you grabbed this morning had this much of an impact on your overall intake maybe you didn't really feel full or satisfied but there's 400 500 calories that you could have spent on something that actually makes you feel full so if you take calorie counting and calorie accounting into not just numbers but oh how does eating how does eating certain foods actually help you stay full and satisfied without overeating then it can be really valuable yeah i think the best case scenario is raising kids who don't have the issue of being I guess maybe neurotic around food. And I say that compassionately because I've been neurotic around food and I've just experienced that myself. But that's the best case scenario is to not put somebody in a position where they need to feel like that's even something they have to do.
1: Well, and then from another perspective, it's like, instead of looking at that croissant as something that has 400 to 500 Mm -hmm. calories, just like, look at the croissant for what it is. It's simple carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. That's not going to keep you full for a very long time. And it's not the optimal fuel for your body. So, if you actually understand, like, I'm eating a croissant right now, I don't care if you know it has 400 or 500 calories Mm -hmm. in it. I just care that you know that it's not a great source Mm -hmm. of fuel for you and you're probably going to overeat calorie-wise and fuel-wise throughout the day because it didn't give you the right amount of fuel.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the best case scenario if someone can think like that. And I think most people really align with that approach. I've had some clients who know how to eat really, really healthy and they genuinely eat really nutritious foods and they're pretty active and they live healthy lifestyles. They just overeat a bunch of the healthier foods Mm -hmm. and it adds up. Mm -hmm. And in those situations, it's like, okay, maybe we need to really look at the portions of what you're eating. And some people prefer pictures and journaling about it or using more intuitive cues. Some people are really motivated by numbers. And if they see that they're eating you know, 2,800 calories in a day, even if it's all really healthy food or food that makes them feel good, simple adjustments just by seeing numbers could be motivating. But that's just know thyself.
1: Have you ever had clients that you... Have worked with that exercising less has actually helped them? Yeah,
0: a lot of times. Okay. So many times. I think for multiple reasons. One of the biggest reasons that I see people who exercise like crazy who can't lose weight until they stop or slow down the exercising is because they were either revving up their appetite so much from using their body and then trying to under-eat and then binge eating at night, or they were justifying eating a lot of food because they exercised. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What about you? I think just uh, personally
1: I'm thinking about myself right now over the past couple weeks I've felt like is something wrong with me like I'm not eating very much like what's going on with me and I think it's because I haven't been exercising as hard like I'll do like a 20-30 minute workout max Mm -hmm. and I'm not like Lifting super heavy or anything like that, like I was the prior month. So, because daycare was shut down, I was home with Liam a lot and it was just whatever I could Mm -hmm. fit in. And then I'm pumping a lot less, I'm producing less milk. And I'm like, oh, like I'm not a ravenous asshole. Like, (laughs) I'm just constantly going to the refrigerator all the time because my body's literally not utilizing as many calories as it was before. So, I think about that in terms of like if I'm more hungry, maybe sometimes I'm choosing something that's not the best choice because that hunger is happening more often. Mm -hmm. And so, I think that happens for other people as well. Like, if you're hungry more often, you have more instances where you're going to make a poor decision versus like, if I'm only getting hungry, three times a day, like, I'm only
0: making three food decisions. That is such a good point because your appetite's not revved up and you might be... I've had a similar experience when I was lifting heavy weights all the time. I was constantly hungry. I felt like I was eating, like, six times a day and still was, like, snacky sometimes. And it's because I would be almost like afraid to eat too much earlier in the day. And I think that's a common pitfall people fall into. So I'd undereat, and then I'd overeat a bunch of things later and just not feel very good because it was hard to get in sync with how hungry I was. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't prefer eating large meals at one time. It was like a mental thing for me.
1: There's also the mental thing that's like, I worked out today, so I get to have Mm -hmm. a whatever, fill in the blank cookie, or I'll eat pasta instead of the salmon or whatever, because I feel like that's a reward for getting to go work out.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I mean, how many times have you heard that with your friends or with people you know, where they're like, oh, you know, like, we deserve this dessert, or we deserve an extra round of drinks because we worked out today. Mm -hmm. I hear that all the time, and Group fitness classes too where they're Mm -hmm. like earn that donut or like (laughs) earn that brunch on Sunday or whatever it might be and that's a whole other argument I know a lot of people think that's disordered and you know to each their own to think that but it does it kind of like gets you into this like oh food is a reward for exercise and then you could actually again be over consuming food because your fitness tracker is saying you burn more than you did and that Donut might be more impactful than you thought.
1: I think with most of my clients, when we start to talk about exercise, I try to not frame it as a way to lose weight Mm -hmm. at all. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't frame it as a weight loss tool. It should be framed as something that's good for your mental health, like, Mm -hmm cardiovascular exercise should be framed as something that's good for your overall health and longevity, not necessarily something that's going to help you to burn calories. Because I think when you start playing that game of calories in versus calories out, number one, you become obsessive. Number two, as we've talked about, your trackers suck. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing it as accurately as you think you're doing it. And number three, it's like this runaround game of you constantly having to track those things in and Mm -hmm. out, in and out every single day. Versus something that I just don't think that that's very sustainable and it's not a fun game to play. Whereas, if you're looking at exercises like, okay, this is something that can keep me even keeled, keep me in a good mood, like it's good for my overall health, I need to do this for these specific reasons, not necessarily for the reason of I need to go do this so I can then burn calories. That helps people, I think, to get more into something that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. One of the things I loved, I was in Colorado this past weekend. And Liam and I tried to go on a hike, which was really funny with this stroller. I don't have, like, one of the fancy, like, things to hike with him yet because we live in Florida. So, like, there is not any hiking here. And I passed probably five or six different people in their 70s or above all super fit, happy, Mm -hmm. so happy I had a conversation five to ten minutes with every single person that I pass and I'm like this is so awesome like they all live so close to this park and they're all out hiking and they're enjoying it and they're in the good weather and like they're not in a sweaty, gross, nasty gym that's dark mm-hmm. like forcing themselves to do bicep curls like they're out doing something that they enjoy and I think if we can look at exercise more like that like find something that gets you active that you actually enjoy I think that's a better overall
0: view for your future versus I just have to do like these specific things to burn calories. Being outside and moving your body is such a simple equation but I think it's the most impactful and not only from just like a mental health perspective, cause you're right, it does give you those endorphins. You just feel really good about yourself. I mean, everything that you do throughout the day is just a little bit better when you moved your body earlier or mm-hmm. you know you're gonna do that, if that's consistent for you. Laying on the couch and putting your feet up on the coffee table with a cup of tea is so much more rewarding when you've just been active that day. It's not like you have to earn that, it just feels better because you've moved your body and I think there's a lot of biological reasons for that. Humans were just meant to move. The human body is designed for movement of all types and sitting around and being sedentary doesn't feel good, but forcing yourself to do a bunch of things you hate and that maybe cause you to feel a little bit of anxiety or stress, or maybe it's really expensive to work out in certain situations for you, can be counterproductive. Like if you hate it, Mm -hmm. why would you do it? There's so many different ways to move your body. You can keep it as simple as taking a long walk outside. Yeah if you're able to, depending on your climate.
1: I think one of the things that's been really freeing for me was my Fitbit died. Yeah. Like one turn back on and then I just didn't get another yeah.
0: one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never get Which one of those things. I,
1: I mean, I just had it for so long mm-hmm. that it was just second nature to me to look at it and count my steps. And I never really realized that I was discounting like oh, I went on this walk and I would feel good about going on the walk and then I'd look and I'd be like, it was only 3,000 steps. Mm -hmm. And there was always like a, uh, but aspect of exercising in ways that weren't necessarily traditional ways that didn't count Mm -hmm. on my Fitbit and now that I don't have that, it's just one less thing that I beat myself up about. Yeah. Like, I just don't even think about I don't think, like, how far was that walk that I went on with Norman or how far was that stroll or how many steps did I get in? It was just, like, I'm just going to go out and mm-hmm. walk until Liam starts crying and I have to go home. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not – I'm not trying to track
0: something. I think that's been really freeing for me the past – I think it probably died in, like, January or February. To bring that full circle, that probably helps – you know, if someone's listening to this and there's somebody who's, who is always fighting that mindset of, "Ooh, I exercise so I can do this. I think that really brings into light how if you're not even thinking so much about the activity, you're kind of treating it as just a neutral thing you do that feels good. You mm-hmm. walk because it feels good. Your dog needs to go for a walk or it's a beautiful day. Then you're not even putting that in the same category of your food choices. They're mm-hmm. totally separate things. What and how you eat, isn't directly dependent on how many steps you take it's dependent on oh is your body in need of energy because you were more active or less active so therefore you need less energy you're just using those intuitive cues and it's separating the two things that we typically group together in one
1: that's definitely true i hear a lot of clients say um since we're in orlando a lot of people go to disney and they're like well i walked twenty five thousand steps but i had like a Dole Whip and a Donut and a frozen banana and we ate it wherever, Japan in <laughs> Epcot. And so they like tell me all the stuff that they did, but they're like, But I walked twenty five thousand steps. So yeah. that's their kind of like, okay, yeah, but it all negates <laughs> because of that. And I feel like if you weren't tracking that, would you feel the same way? Mm-hmm. Would you have even eaten those things? Would you have maybe paid more attention to if you were actually hungry or not? Or would Mm you be like, oh my gosh, I got 25,000 steps. I can eat whatever I want.
0: The brain is a funny little thing. It will literally convince you to do whatever you want. It will find any reason to make some kind of food decision if you're just craving it or if it looks good. Like if you are really active that day, just out of the blue and then you use that as a justification, then your brain's looking for a reason to eat the frozen banana and whatever it is at Japan. But if you're relying on your body and not so much your head to give you the cue, then you may be less likely to make the same decisions and you're not just focusing on like, okay, here's a whole mathematical equation and I read this article and this influencer, she does this and she does that and blah, 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 so I can do this. I think there is just a lot of people, too much in their head and not so much with their actual physical being.
1: Yeah. So while we've been talking a lot of shit about these trackers, I do still think they have a place, Um, especially for someone who's maybe sedentary and not Mm -hmm. in a good exercise routine. Having something like a Fitbit to show you that you're only getting 1,500 steps in a day can be a huge totally. eye-opener and something that could maybe motivate you to get you to the point where you want to go or having the Apple Watch to help you close your rings, I... Th- I. The people that I've seen it be really helpful for are people that are going from absolutely sedentary Mm -hmm. to starting some type of Mm -hmm. exercise routine. Those are the people that I think really benefit.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Somebody who maybe (laughs) just needs those numbers, those little reminders to be active. I think when you and I talk to people, we can pick up on some language or some verbiage that suggests to us that this person may be a little bit too obsessive or that a lot of their self-worth is tied around their fitness tracker or their exercise. I see a lot of people who so strongly identify with the type of workout program that they do that it's hard for them to admit that maybe this workout program isn't the best for them anymore. Maybe it's doing not as much good as they think they're doing, if not harm. Mm -hmm. I see a big one with people who do something like Orange Theory five days a week, Mm -hmm. and they wonder why they're tired and exhausted and not seeing results, but they just do not want to back off the workouts. They're so addicted to them because they love them. And if you even suggest the idea of something a little bit less intense, like yoga or walking for activity, they almost scoff at you Mm -hmm. and they're like, well, like no way. But I've seen it so many times where as soon as clients, especially my female clients back off on some of that intensive exercise, either frequency or intensity or even duration, they have way more control over their appetite. They just feel better. And they don't feel so overwhelmed by all these intense physical pursuits.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm trying to think of times that I would actually recommend people to use like a tracker or a heart rate monitor or something like that. I mean, I have the heart rate monitor that goes with the Peloton. I don't really even pay attention to it, to be honest. So
0: I can think of a couple really good situations. <clears throat> One would be if somebody's doing intense uh, or interval training. It can be a really great way to direct them if they want to, you know, do a sprint and then let their heart rate get back down to normal and then go back up and get their heart rate up to a certain level so that they're getting a shorter workout with more intensity mm-hmm. a few times a week. I think that's a pretty good, I guess, gauge of the uh, the rate at which they're working out. So if they sprint for 30 seconds or until they get to a certain heart rate level and down,
1: mm-hmm. I think that's
0: a decent situation. Mm-hmm. I think, again, people who are really motivated by numbers and that gives them something to look forward to, I think the heart rate reading isn't a bad idea. I think the calories are inaccurate. So if they're looking at the calories and they're saying, oh, I'm not going to quit running until this treadmill tells me I burned 300 calories. Well, I mean, if that's the marker you want to use and it doesn't interfere with how or what you're eating or feeling about yourself later, fine. But I think using a heart rate monitor would be better. How long yeah, can you in stay that, in a certain range?
1: Or in that case, just saying, like, I'm going to see how fast I can run a mile. Yeah. And then trying to beat your time every mm-hmm. time I think will be a lot more motivating than I have to
0: burn a certain amount of calories. But you know how many people I have that, are, that do that? None. Like very no, I know. And, that,
1: and, that's like, <laughs> and, and that's the point where, like, we are the people that kind of train them to use their brains in a different way of instead of going towards a certain number of calories burnt or like a certain aesthetic goal, like I want my stomach to look this way or I want my arms to look this way. Those are results, Mm -hmm. secondary results from something that would be a primary goal, like how fast can I run Mm -hmm. a mile or how many push-ups can I do? Because you can't just make a goal of like, I want biceps. Mm -hmm. Like, You have to make the goal of, I want to be able to do this much weight this many times. And once you can get to that, the secondary result from that is nicer biceps or a slimmer waist Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, is that secondary aesthetic goal. So I think a calorie goal is kind of like along those same lines, like don't make a goal about calories, make a goal about what you want to achieve or how you want to perform, like a Mm. performance-based goal to help you get there versus that
0: calories in, calories out again. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just had a thought about exercise and it totally poofed from me. Oh, I was thinking about how we're both proponents of strength training for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I get a lot of the same feedback from men and females alike about how they don't have the same perceived rate of exertion from strength training. And what I mean by that is they love doing the cardio because it gets their heart rate up. They get that calorie reading that they're looking for. They're getting that sweat or whatever it is. They just feel like they got a good workout from their run or from their boot camp, or from whatever it is they're doing. Then when they do a strength training workout and they walk away from the gym, they don't feel as if they worked out as hard and they don't feel like they burned as much fat. And I always like to put it like this. I'm like, well, if you're not doing an intense strength training workout, like if you're not feeling like you're doing any kind of muscle fatigue, there's your first problem. Mm -hmm. But if you are lifting heavy enough weights and you're putting the emphasis on something called progressive overload, where you're continuously putting more load on the muscle, either by volume, by weight, by tempo of your weight. If you're not doing that, there's your first problem. But if you are, think of it like this. When you're on a cardio machine, it's like you're clocking in for an hourly job. You put your time card in and you make money until you put your time, time card out. So you're on the treadmill, you burn energy, you burn glucose until you hop off the treadmill, and then it's done. Then that's it, that's the workout. But when you're doing something like strength training, it's a lot more metabolic. So it's like putting an investment, you put a small investment into some kind of investment funds, or whatever. And over time, that investment grows slowly and incrementally. And it gives you a bigger, better result, which is that body composition change. And you're burning more energy, or calories long after that workouts over long after you leave the gym. It just doesn't feel like such an intense workout, but the payoff is greater if you're consistent with it. Right. And if you can think about it like that, well, okay, then maybe you have to really reconsider how you're measuring what a good workout is and not focus on calories burned, Mm -hmm. focusing on what's the big goal. Oh, you want to have a leaner body. You want to feel stronger. You want to look toned. Well, The treadmill is not going to do that for you the same way weight training would. Right, exactly. So it's, and when people
1: ask, like, what should I be doing, cardio or weight training? It's like, there's not one answer Mm -hmm. to that. It's, you're doing cardio for different reasons and you're doing weight training and they're both important for different reasons. So it's figuring out, like, what are your secondary goals? And then we go from there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are your secondary goals? And work down. Mm -hmm. What are your goals right now? I don't really have any specific goals
1: when it comes to working out other than just do it (laughs) right now. Um, So whether that means like just jump on the Peloton or do a 20 minute lift or it's just for me right now, it's just being consistent. Mm
0: -hmm. I would say my biggest goal is getting outside more with my workouts. Mm -hmm. I just love to be outside. So the weather here in Florida is getting really cool. So I'm just trying to do more of my stuff outside, longer walks, less time in a gym.
1: Yeah, opening up my garage doors and just getting a good lift in feels really good Dang, right now. With the fan on.
0: That's the best. <laughs> An open-air garage gym to me is like the mecca of happiness for a workout. Come on over. Yeah. All right. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much what I wanted to say. Uh, the biggest thing would be... A lot of people are underestimating how much they're eating and overestimating what exercise is doing. Actually, you know, that that kinda reminds me of one other thing is I think a helpful way to think about it is, yeah, exercise is really, really important and people should be moving their body. Obviously, we don't want to encourage people to be sedentary, but if you have to pick something to focus more on and your biggest goals are improving blood markers or losing weight, changing your body composition, I do think nutrition is going to be the most impactful, but for maintenance and maintaining any kind of results, that's where exercise becomes a lot more important. Yep, I would agree. Cool. So do you want to do a healthy or not? We haven't done that on a Ooh, few episodes. Yes, okay. Okay. I thought of a good one that was related to today's topic. I don't think we've done it before. Pre-workouts?
1: Oh, no. I don't think we have. I don't think we
0: have. So pre-workouts, if you don't know, these are typically powders that you mix with water that you take before a workout, hence the pre.
1: Please throw away your C4. (laughs) in the ugly packaging please throw away your c4
0: if you go way 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 deep into my instagram like 2013 when people were like still putting the valencia filters on pictures of their food (laughs) and stuff on instagram i got like my first order of supplements from what's it called Mm bodybuilding.com and it's like all c4 stuff (laughs) And it's just like jars of artificial powders is what it is. So what we're
1: talking about is that most of your pre-workout powders are going to be super high in caffeine, have a bunch of artificial sweetener in there to make them taste good, namely sucralose and most of them, or acyl sulfame K Mm -hmm. is another super popular one, and lots of artificial colors to make them look pretty in your water bottle.
0: Yeah, like unicorn candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you have like
1: watermelon, spice, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like all these little pretty names. They're not good.
0: They're not good. And I see a lot of these in energy drinks. Do you know about the Alani New energy drinks? Oh,
1: yeah. I get asked about it all the time all because it's so
0: pretty. T- it is gorgeous. <laughs> and what gets me are the names. I look at the names. I'm like, these are such pretty names. I can't remember what they are right now, but they just they're really make cute. make
1: you feel like, i'm doing something good for myself. right yeah with
0: all the pictures like the food on it and the, yeah but they're full of crap too yep so are their bars their fit snacks all of it so you can't be fooled by pretty packaging sometimes i think the prettier the packaging or the more i don't want to say pretty but like tacky <laughs> <laughs> the tackier the packaging like ghost have you seen those oh yeah oh god mess mm-hmm. then that's where your spotty senses should start tingling so if it looks really tacky don't even look at the back Then if you look at a supplement and you're not sure, a pre-workout, energy drink, flip it over and look at the ingredients before you look at anything else. Scan that ingredient list looking for those artificial sugars, flavors, sweeteners, colors, potions, whatever they're putting in there. Skip those if they're present. If they're not, a shorter list of ingredients is usually pretty good with pre-workout. And I typically say don't even waste your time with flavored pre-workouts. I mean, unless that really motivates you to work out. Why even have a flavored pre workout? Yeah, they're usually um, riskier than.
1: And if you're really if you're looking for a clean pre workout, Naked Nutrition yeah. has a really good one. Uh, Vega Sport also has two different versions ones that one that has carbohydrates in it that would be better for like a really long cardio session, so sixty minutes or more. If you're going and you're doing twenty minutes of cardio, you do not need no. a pre workout with carbohydrate in it. They also have one that does not have carbohydrate in it. Um, I loved taking that one before the CrossFit open workouts. So I would save taking pre workout. I would never take it until the open, mm-hmm. and then I would take it before those workouts because it would make me insanely better. So you shouldn't take a pre workout before every workout because mm-hmm. your body's just going to get used to it, and then you're yep. not going to get the same results from it. Anyways, um, also consider if you're doing your workouts in the evening mm-hmm. and then you're doing a pre-workout before, most of them are going to have at least as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. So, if you wouldn't drink a cup of coffee, coffee two hours before bed, you shouldn't do a pre-workout right. two hours before bed either because your heart rate's going to stay up. It's going to be harder
0: for you to wind down exactly. at night. Exactly. I've seen some pre-workouts that don't have caffeine. They just have that beta-alanine and all the other little you know amino acids that they put in there. And um, the beta alanine is what makes your fingers tingle. So if you take a lot of pre-workout and your body's not used to it, you might have a really uncomfortable tingly feeling, especially if you're taking that pre-workout close to bed that could really disrupt your sleep or just your mental comfort. That's why I don't mess with any pre-workouts. That tingly feeling makes me feel like I'm on crack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't need to be on crack cocaine yeah. here at, yeah. at the gym.
1: Um, I would also say if you're looking for a, a great pre-workout option, Shroom Tech Sport is a—it's—it's it's not a powder; it's a capsule, mm. and it uses uh, quite a few different mushrooms and. It doesn't give you that high, that like caffeine high of a pre-workout, but it actually helps with oxygenation. So when you're doing like a hard cardio workout, it gives you the ability to breathe better. Mm-hmm. And so I've done like little trials with clients and people at CrossFit and things like this that have taken in. They're like, oh yeah, like I can breathe a little bit better during the workout. That's cool. Also- There have been studies on that? Yeah, the cool. small, small scale studies, if you look it up, um, they've done their own. I mean, they're their own studies. Sure. So But because no one else is going to, pay right, to do no a study gonna... on a supplement.
0: Hey, I don't know. Yeah. The whole mushroom world is blown up. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that you're not going to get the same effects as like magic mushrooms. <laughs> this
1: is also true. Totally. No just so you know, there are no effects in these mushrooms as you're doing your workout. Be Elite. Yep. Awesome. Um, so anything Jeez. that has like nitric oxide in it is good for pre-workout as well, and you can find some of those that don't have caffeine in them, which just, it just kind of gives you a little extra edge, kind of the same thing I was talking about with that oxygenation. You don't really feel that like, like, I want to go crazy, but it's just like a little extra edge, I would Mm -hmm. say.
0: Yeah, probably more at that metabolic level where you're not going to feel it as intensely, but you might be able to get an extra rep in or go a little bit faster. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I think where I'm at right now is like, I'm just going to go do a workout. I don't really mess with a whole lot of supplements these days.
0: I don't take any kind of pre-workout supplement. I drink protein shakes once in a while, but usually that's in a smoothie that I'm eating is more of a snack, not like Mm -hmm. a post-workout recovery. Just be pretty diligent about that. And I do admit I had more muscle tone back then, but things were also different. So I'm not going to say it was because I was taking post-workout. I would say the only pre-workout supplement I ever do is coffee. I do really like, like this morning we did a run club and I woke up and we meet at 630 And I woke up at, like, 6, and I was like, I don't want to freaking run. And I was laying in my bed and going back to my brain. My brain was coming up with so many reasons why I didn't need to go. I was like, I'll just go by myself later, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, okay, Kate, if you go make a cup of coffee, you just get up (laughs) and go to this run club, you can have some coffee. I don't know if that's healthy or not, but, yeah, I had half a cup of coffee, and I felt so much better, and it just got me out of bed and ready to go.
1: Yeah, if you... I would say save it for the times where you really need it Mm -hmm. because if you do the same, whether it's caffeine in the form of coffee or a pre-workout or Shroom tech or whatever it is that you're taking, if you do it every single time, it's not going to feel any different for Mm -hmm. you. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to get the benefit out of it. Whereas if you went two weeks without caffeine and then you drank a coffee, you'd have the fastest mile
0: that you've ever had in your life? Probably, (laughs) but I'm not going to test that. You know what? If you listen to our episode about coffee, I'm a (laughs) coffeeholic. Anyway, is it healthy or not? I'm not going to say it's unhealthy, but I'm not going to say it's healthy.
1: I would say 99% of them are unhealthy. I'd say there's probably a 1% out there that are actually giving you
0: some type of health benefit. You know what? The athletes I work with and the athletes that I read about and how they eat—most of them aren't taking pre-workout supplements. No, they're, they're not. just eating agree. healthy and training a lot. Yep, I would agree. Cool. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next
1: episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to
0: create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see
1: you on the next episode.